This is a HeadGum Podcast. While Andrew and Craig believe the joy of discovery is crucial to enjoying any well-told tale, they will not shy away from spoiling specific story beats when necessary. Plus, these are books you should have read by now. Spooky books this month. <laughs> Overdue podcast. Time for Spooktober. I don't remember how the rest of it goes. Welcome. I was just, I was just gonna let you keep laying down <laughs> runway for yourself. I turned into strong bad. <laughs> you did a little. Yeah, you did. Yeah, that's who that was. Uh, hey everybody, welcome to Overdue Pod. It's a podcast, podcast, podcast about the Overdue books Pod podcast that you've been meaning to read. Uh, my name is Craig. My name is Andrew, and, and it's the first week of Spooktober. The sun is shining, so that I don't get too scared. Uh, as we record this episode, and we are talking about 99 Fear Street by R.L. Stein, kicking us off in the year of 2017. A classic Bob Stein classic. <laughs> yeah, and we have, we've only done R.L. Stein once. We did a- It was a Choose Your Own Adventure episode. Give Yourself Goosebumps episode. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Yes, it's separate <laughs> from and legally distinct from the Choose Your Own Adventure series of books. Uh, so in case you are just joining us this week, usually we read a book and tell the other person about it. And this month, it's all spooky books, all scary yeah, stuff. Yeah, this is our fourth fourth Spooktober? I think it might be our fourth. Man, it's definitely so our spookovers. third, if not our fourth. Um, you're going to look I, that up. I'm going to look it up, and I, I just want to cover the books that we have done for Spooktober. Oh, sure. That's a great idea. Um, um, yeah, it's so great that perhaps I should have thought about it. <laughs> before literally right now um all right so for spooktober 2016 we yep. did uh we did what we do howl's moving castle um the woman in black we did a bonus episode about the movie hook which i think was just a leftover thing yep, from september just ignore that one <laughs> uh the haunting of hill house werewolf of paris and ring and then beware the purple peanut butter which was our our jovial bob stein episode uh-huh um, in Spooktober 2015, we did uh, Bunicula. Mm. We did a choose-your-own-adventure called Ghost Train, which I don't <laughs> think we found the ghost or the train. Nope. Um, the Amityville Horror, Rebecca, and I don't think, no, Wuthering Heights may or may not have been part uh, of Spooktober. I don't remember. It had a ghost. Yeah, it's close. Okay. Uh, we'll call I it. think there's one more before that, right? And there's, there's one more before that. In, 20, in 2014, yeah. we did Legend of Sleepy Hollow, Rosemary's Baby, At the Mountains of Madness, and The Mummy, or Ramsey's the Damned, and Choose Your Own Adventure called You Are a Monster. And we didn't do one the year before. 
I don't think. Uh, no. Okay. The, no, that October is just regular books. <laughs> just regular books. So if you've only joined us in the last year or so, uh, know that there's plenty of Spooktober waiting for you in the back catalog, but we're going to press onward into this year's Spooktober. Andrew. Always looking forward, never backward, except sometimes except when we do. Except for a few minutes every week. Um, mm-hmm. We're going to talk about Robert Lawrence Stein here for a second. Um he, as Andrew <laughs> uh, referenced earlier, when he was writing for a children's magazine, he went by the name Jovial Bob Stein for a period of time. <laughs> uh, he is from Columbus, Ohio. He would move to New York City uh, to become a writer after you know working on some various magazines. I found an interview with The Verge where he talked about being uh, a writer for a magazine where they would just make up interviews with people like he had a woman that said do an interview with diana ross and he just had to write just it do one but like like just make it up one <laughs> yeah and then you, do you did he pass it off as an actual interview with diana ross yeah for like fan magazines oh no yeah he also but it's not really an interview no nope. that feels legally <laughs> like it shouldn't be allowed he also was a writer for a trade magazine he was the assistant editor of soft drinks <laughs> and he hated it uh, that's a job i didn't know existed yes and i bet he did hate it um but then he went on to start writing horror novels his first horror novel was the book blind date and then he started writing goosebumps he started this series i think andrew in 1989 the first yeah, started Street series started in 1989 and it's a slightly more like ya version of R.L. Stein brand horror, so it's not like totally distinct from the Goosebumps books, but um, there are plenty that don't yeah, have like, any supernatural stuff. Some of them are just murder mysteries. Some of them are just murder mysteries. Yeah, like people die more often, as I think we'll end up talking about. Um, there's a lot more just like gore and like gross out horror. I think mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where the stuff in Goosebumps is a little more like psychological. Like there's a monster in the basement or yes. under the sink. Or there's monster blood, or <laughs> or there's like a haunted doll, or, or there's a... like a camera that'll take your bones away. Harold or... <laughs> Stein rules. Yeah. <laughs> he has ever been called uh, the Stephen King for kids, uh, and in this Verge interview I found that was titled "I Never Wanted to Be Scary." Um, he said, oh, "Bad, bad job." I know. It, it took him thirty years to finally meet Stephen King, and when he finally did, he said, "One magazine called me a literary training bra for you." And Stephen King said, "Yes, I know." <laughs> <laughs> uh, he. What else? And what's about Fear Street, Andrew? Is there anything else you want to talk about with Fear Street? Um, I just, I did just want to talk about the setting of of the yeah, Fear Street hit me, books hit me, because hit me. it is, it's not like a. Like, uh, there's not a continuity that, that travels through all the books, but it is supposed to be the same location. It is, like, actually, well, not actually. It's a fake street, that's, but it's always in this <laughs> fake city of Shadyside, Ohio. Yes, that's true. Um, and there's this whole backstory where, um, I'm just going to read the synopsis here. <laughs> um, it's named after the Fear family. The name was originally spelled F-I-E-R. But after being told the family was cursed and that the letters could be rearranged to spell fire, Simon Fear changed it to F-E-A-R in the 19th century. That's the worst. So, like, you could rearrange the letters of my name to spell something bad, so I'm just going to change it to something that's already bad, and uh, that fixes it. (laughs) Also, why why is being able to rearrange your name into fire, like, some sort of cursed... Like, there's... 
That's dumb. I mean, if I you guess... came forward into the social media era, yeah, it would just be like fire is something that's like really rad and yeah, cool. this family's rad. <laughs> Welcome to Rad Street, man. Um, they're fire. I guess the street though, is fire. <laughs> it, there's another part of the backstory though where oh where yeah, the curse it's like comes the, from right? yeah, the family got cursed by um. Back in Puritan times, oh dear, <laughs> um, Benjamin and Matthew fear uh, burned Susanna and Martha Good G O O D E. Just in case the symbolism it <laughs> escapes you, okay, um, he burned them at the stake, and then the father and husband uh, William Good put a curse on the fears to avenge their deaths. Yeah, okay, that makes sense to me, and like. There's, I think the fears originally, like the family is not supposed to be around anymore, but then they did show up in the Fear Street book sometimes. I didn't read tons of these. I think you said that you've read this like trilogy of 99 Fear Street books. Yeah, which is about one specific house House, on the the Fear Street. (laughs) Yeah, so this book that I read uh, for this week is The First Horror. 99 Fear Street, The First Horror. It's the first of three horrors. Yes. Horrors. Um, And then two other things about R.L. Stein before we get into the book. Uh, This Verge interview also asks him about what he is willing to put in books. It asks him, you know, he doesn't include like divorce or drug use or abuse in his children, young adult books. And he doesn't actually, he says, I don't really want to terrify kids. Uh, I think if you make sure it's a fantasy world, the kids know what they're reading is a fantasy and couldn't happen. So you can go pretty far and you won't upset them that much. Um, And they go on to ask that he thinks there's good violence for kids and bad violence for kids. And he says, I think it's good for kids because it gets that out of them. Kids are very smart. And if they see a movie in which people are punching each other and it's very violent, they know it's movie violence. If they walk down the street and two people are fighting, punching each other, it's a totally different thing from real violence. Um, I, I tend to side with R.L. Stein here, though I, you know, recognize that there's a limit to how far you can go with that. Sure. Yeah. Um, I do appreciate his earlier sentiment though, which is like, I'm not going to put things that could really explicitly tap a fear that a kid has, um, or like a, a, a more existential fear that a kid has. And I'm really just going to do some, some goofy, gross stuff, um, Though I, I, think I there are feel something... like I, I don't like if you're setting out intentionally to frighten children, you yeah. can't totally avoid <laughs> like tapping every single vein. No, that you could possibly tap. I, I see what he means. But... Yeah. Um. You did. Was there anything else that you wanted to share about Mr. Stein? Uh, no. I think you know we talked about him last time. Um. He's he's been around for a long time. I believe he is still he's still working. His website actually is pretty yeah. incredible. Um, there's apparently a, a sub series of Goosebumps books called Slappy World now, just named after the Night of the Living Dummy Dummy. No, and the one on the top of the site right now, apparently Slappy has an evil twin. Oh, which I don't know if they retooled Slappy not to be evil, but the, my impression was that he was already evil. Okay. <laughs> I <don't know. laughs> Um, and then, yeah, like a, there's a children, like a young children's book named Mary McScary there. Um, <laughs> and he's, I think a couple years ago, he restarted the Fear Street series. Yeah, like that's he hadn't true. written one in a few years. And he tweeted that publishers weren't interested, which got a publisher interested. So that's the way to do it. Put the, yeah, right. put the class I on call just, out. I should tweet that publishers are not interested in my work. <laughs> 
all the time and see just who bites. Okay. Uh, are you ready to get scared, Andrew? Uh, I'm ready. To, yeah, spook me. Spook me up. So we're going to just talk through this book because it's a spooky book. So spooky stuff happens and there's there's no better way to deal with it. So uh-huh. there is a prologue to this book and it takes place in 1960. We're in the town of Shadyside and there's two guys, Jimmy and Andy. Uh, uh-huh. I think they're older teens. They're working their summer job trying to fix houses and they're working, they're trying to repair some cracks in the foundation of 99 Fear Street, which has recently been constructed. Oh, it was recently constructed, and it's not like an ancient house. In 1960, yeah. So they're, they found when the foundation was all dug out, um, they mentioned that they found some bodies down there. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've lost three men on this job. They're not explicit <laughs> about what happened to the men. <laughs> says how come nothing has gone right how come we lost three guys building the stupid house in my in my neighborhood in philadelphia there's a <laughs> lot of construction going on and i'm just i'm wondering like what if they were just they were just losing contractors left what and right on all these jobs like i don't know that you would i don't know i think how much you shut it house, down yeah like i don't i don't understand this house has already killed like 12 people we just, <laughs> and it, the foundation's already bad let's keep working on it though so they're complaining about this job and uh Jim, i think it's jimmy doesn't want to do it no andy doesn't want to do it and jimmy's like listen we just got to get the job done so we can go to the beach boys concert like let's go oh boy all right and one of them like a screwdriver slips in his hand and like stabs him and like oh stupid screwdriver how this is an unlucky house and then they start seeing shadows and rats and stuff. And a crack appears in the wall. A billowing shadow comes out of the wall, covers them. And when it's lifted, they're dead. Prologue over. Whoa. So this is a spooky house then. So it already ate some people. All right, Goodbye, we, Jimmy and Andy. Then we flash forward to like the early 1990s, I assume. Yes. At one point, uh, one of the two daughters in the Fraser family is wearing like a pink blouse and white yeah, jeans. Scrambled eggs. Scrambled eggs all over my face. Your timely reference. Go ahead, uh, Craig. I'm listening. <laughs> I was saying that it, we know it's the 90s because one of the daughters in this family dresses up for like a job interview in white jeans. Uh-huh. It's pretty And bad. also ev- they're all watching Frasier all yeah, the time. Yeah, also true. Uh, so the book opens, the story opens with the Frasier family in a car on the way to their new home. It's unsaid where they're coming from. It's unsaid why they're moving except that they used to live in an apartment. And it's unclear what the family's like job prospects are. Like okay. Mr. and Mrs. Frazier never go to work in this book. I mean, they're not going to have time to go to work once this house starts working on them. But um, they're they're moving into their new house. And it's uh, Mr. Frazier, Mrs. Frazier, and Callie, her twin sister, Cody. They're not their fraternal twin sisters. And they they don't look that means they don't look exactly the same. Correct. And that comes up later when Cody is very jealous of Callie all the time because Callie has better luck with boys and et cetera, et cetera. Um, And then they have a nine year old brother, James, 
uh, who is. I did little... not remember that they had a brother. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's going to be a big pop point later. Um, he's a whiny little brother. Uh, he's excited for this new house because he's going to get not only his own room, but he's going to have like a game room where he'll have a widescreen TV to play his Super Nintendo and they could get him a dog. He talks about getting a dog a lot. Uh-huh. Um, and so they're they're going to this house. The girls are going to start 11th grade. They seem pretty okay with the whole move. Um, later, there's a diary entry. Callie has a diary that she writes in throughout the book. And she does briefly mention having a boyfriend that she's leaving behind that she stole from her sister Cody. Oh, <laughs> so no. maybe, maybe it's better that we did leave Rick behind and we don't talk about him ever again. Come on, Rick. Um, so there's like this, you know, family uh, joking and people being, you know, upset at each other in the car because James won't shut up about his dog. And they pull up to the house and it's not great. It's kind of depressing. Um, this is one of the first images we get. The two-and-a-half-story house was nearly as wide as the yard. Its gray shingles were stained with brown streaks and were weather-beaten. The dark window shutters were peeling. Several were missing. Two upstairs windows appeared to stare back at Callie like dark, unseeing eyes. The gutter at the side of the house was bent and hanging loose. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also, like these really giant sad trees on the property that make it like almost nighttime when you like get close to the house like there's way too much shade it's really creepy Mm -hmm. and cody's first reaction is yo this house is haunted (laughs) cody isn't messing around it's pretty obviously haunted though (laughs) (laughs) just like listen to that description and tell me that house isn't haunted and callie's like ha 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 you idiot we were when we were in our apartment you thought there was a ghost in the wall and it was a squirrel this house isn't haunted idiot Uh (laughs) Um, and then she has to like stop teasing her sister because she like has a moment she's like oh cody's always jealous of me which is its, its own like wonderfully conceited moment where Callie's like, oh, I should be nicer to my twin sister. Who's I should be nicer to my dumb sister who sucks more <laughs> than me. So they're bringing boxes into the house. Callie's carrying this box of china, and she gets up onto the rickety porch, and a tree branch falls and almost hits her and like crashes the box, and everything breaks. And just as this happens, the spooky real estate man, Mr. Lurie, shows up. Oh, no. I was, yeah, I was going to ask, like, so three three people died just making it. At least two people died like refurbishing the foundation. Yes. It's been like 30 or 40 years. No one's lived in the house. No one has lived in this no house. No one ever? Correct. What? So there's that's This a- feels like I don't I think <laughs> like banks and realty realtors would have given up on this place like a long time ago yeah so mr laurie shows up and he's like a creepy guy in a gray suit and when the little brother james like just straight up asks him like why doesn't anyone ever live here mr laurie just goes it's just unlucky it's an unlucky house anyway here's the keys bye here's the (laughs) keys good luck and he leaves and then they go inside the house and no one seems happy about it. Everyone's kind of upset. And Callie's like inspecting it. And she's like, oh, this place is a dump. It looks like a horror movie. And her mom is like, what's wrong with you? Why do you have like a sour face on? 
and she's just like, oh, I'm just tired or whatever. I'm, I don't like this house. And I just, I don't know why I made this note here as Callie's expe- inspecting the house, but I just made a note in my Kindle that says Property Brothers Ghosts. <laughs> what? <laughs> and I think... Is this just like a, you're just pitching a show idea? I think I, I want an episode of Property Brothers where they have to deal with a haunted house. I think that's what I want. I want... You don't want them to be ghosts who are selling... That could Houses be cool. In the afterlife. That who? Well, that's different because then they could have all sorts of like crazy, like realm beyond houses. Like houses could mm-hmm. do whatever they wanted. But you I, call them, you call them the property boo other boo mm, others. <laughs> I just I just want <laughs> them to have to deal with a haunted house and have to like fix it up and like ghosts keep like moving all their tools. And change things up. On you want demo like a day. version of the Casper the Friendly Ghost live yeah. action movie, but <laughs> yes. with the Property Brothers yes, in it. I, I mean, there when we were in New Orleans, there were like when you would see signs that were proclaiming houses to be for sale. Some of them were like yes. explicitly advertised as being haunted. So yeah, probably haunted Property Brothers actually could work. Yeah, I could knock out this wall and we'll give you a kitchen. I'll have shiplap on the wall. And yeah, there's a little girl that lives in the fireplace, so we can't move the fireplace. Yeah, but... just like uh, make sure that, that everything stays nailed down or otherwise the poltergeist will start throwing chairs around and it's just not, that won't be fun for anybody. Yeah, and there's you just got to throw red meat into the basement every other day. Don't ask. It doesn't have to be good meat. It just has to be <laughs> fresh. So like this re- house- Like really fresh. You this know? house kind of like bites. Super fresh. 99 Fear Street kind of bites and the kids go down into the kitchen to like- I can't remember why they're going down in the kitchen to get like a light bulb or something. I don't remember. I can see why you were you had you were complaining that their motivation for buying this house and moving here is not fleshed out enough. There is a little bit of like we're just going to gloss over why anyone's here and just rush yeah. this family into a terrible house. You just, uh, you just need not. You don't even need that much about like the financial straits that the family is in to make it work a little bit better. Yeah, than this, I think. Um, well, and they go down in the basement, and there's rats everywhere. Like the floor is covered in rats, which really sucks. Um, and while they're like talking about this and talking about all the work that the that the house needs, a man named Glenn Hankers just knocks on the door. He appears. <laughs> <laughs> he appears on the doorstep. And he's like, hey, I'm a handyman. Sorry, guys, moved in. Do you need some help? And Mr. Frazier's like, yeah. Like, do you charge a lot? And he's like, nah, it's cool. And Mr. Frazier literally goes, can you kill rats? <laughs> and so his uh, Mr. Hanker's first quest is to go into the basement and kill a bunch of rats. And to grind on some rats and literally and get some gold. The rest of the book, you never see Mr. Hanker's unless he is going into the basement at the start of a day. He spends the rest of the book going into the basement and killing rats. He's probably level 50 by the time the book ends, but you never uh-huh. you never hear about it. Um, so then Callie writes in her diary about the wacky house that she lives in and a little... A little I think like, wacky. I don't think wacky is the word I would use at this point. Uh, she hears some noises up in the attic, but she, you know, she doesn't know what those are. And then um, the next day... She has to go get a job, uh, and she 
you know, after she goes to her interview at this boutique store, she runs into this boy. Boutique oh, store. Oh, yeah. It's a haunted clothing store. No. Um, haunted she- Claire's. <laughs> <laughs> she meets this boy, Anthony, at the coffee shop. And he is a nice boy. Um, and there's maybe going to be some romance there. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't like the house that she lives in. Well, and obviously. She doesn't get any more information right then. Uh, but that's like that like little seed is dropped. Um, that night there, there begins this thing that happens a couple nights in a row where she hears like knocking on her door late at night and she opens it and there's no one there. And then, uh, the next morning at breakfast, uh, Cody goes to open the, the window in the kitchen to let in some fresh air and the window slams on her wrists haunted. Maybe. We don't know. Or maybe just the window doesn't just work that good because window. no one's ever lived in this house before. Call the handyman who's too busy killing rats in the basement and have him fix this window. <laughs> is is he is the handyman like haunted too? Like what's the So, okay. Is so the realtor haunted? Are, so, okay. Is ghosts like bring people into the house and it's just done a really bad job all these 30 years and it finally found some rubes who it could convince to come in? We never learn any more about Mr. Hanker. We never learn any more about the housekeeper that mysteriously appeared on their porch, Mrs. Newstrom. Um, um who who she does, she cleans in the house. She's there sometimes. Um but again, this begs the question like we can pay for the daily wages of uh, a rat killer and a house cleaner, but we can't pay to get a a, a non-haunted house. house. Yeah. <laughs> also, Mr. Also, we have no visible means of support. Yeah, Mr. Maybe Frazier they just sell, work. Maybe they sell drugs. I, I, I don't know. Um, but the thing is, like, Callie is going to go get a job. So she, she has her job, but she can't start yet because they're doing inventory. And Cody can't get a job, so her dad offers to, like, pay her to do work around the house. Um, um, with what money? I, again, I don't. Oh, I, it's worth bringing this up because the money thing comes up later. Um, and Cody and Callie were out like meeting Anthony and Cody's a little jealous and they come home and this is where Stein gets a little cute. They come into the house and there's a small brown creature on the couch. Chapter break. Oh, they got, they got James a puppy. They got the little Uh, boy a puppy. That's a classic R.L. Stein goosebumps (laughs) chapter break. Uh, and the, the puppy is named Cubby, which I guess is like a, Okay. It's a fine puppy it's name, fine, I guess. It, at this point in the book, James starts to feel a little bit younger than the Super Nintendo obsessed nine year old from the first chapter, um, and that that only like hastens as the book continues. So they have this like nice roast beef dinner as a family. They got a puppy. Cody found a job. People are feeling okay. There's a lot of work to do in the house, but people are okay. Never mind the fact that Cody's wrists got slammed by a ghost window. Yeah, like whatever. Not a whatever. big deal. It's Again, fine. totally like the least supernatural thing that could possibly happen. It's totally fine. And um Mr. Fraser is cutting the roast beef and he's like, Hey, uh, Callie, can you go get the salt and pepper shakers? And she's like, Okay, and she like tries to slide can behind you him. Go get the tossed salad and scrambled <laughs> eggs. <laughs> To have with our roast beef. To have with the roast beef. (laughs) And she is like scooting (laughs) behind him between the wall and the chair. And as she does so, 
Mr. Fraser just like gets pushed by a spectral force and the knife goes into his side. Ugh. Like at just a giant steak knife into his abdomen. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, Callie, why'd you push dad on the knife? And she's like, I don't, I didn't do it. I think it was a ghost. <laughs> and uh, she, yeah, the old, the old, it was a ghost <laughs> excuse. So then the next day, um, you know, they take him to the hospital, I guess, to like get him stitched up. And uh, Cody Did is. Did you doing... say the next day? Yeah, the next day. They do. They wait till the next day to take him in to get his oh, wound. I might have that. Okay, maybe I have that wrong. But I was gonna say, like, I'm pretty sure that there's. Well, <laughs> we'll gotta just, go right then. It's pretty late, so we'll just turn in and we'll take you in later. But anyway, the next day, uh, Cody <laughs> has to clean up some broken shingles on top of the house. So she asks Callie to like help her hold a ladder uh, while she's on it. And of course, like a ghost takes control of the ladder and like knocks Cody to the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and then chapter break, and we're back in Callie's diary, and she's like, "Oh my god, my sister's okay. Oh, that was really spooky." "Quote: I'm really frightened. If one more bad thing happens, I don't know what I'll do." And then she like writes about doodly doodly doodly. Oh no! <laughs> she, one more bad thing happened. She writes about like hanging out with Anthony some more because she's a teenager. I'm curious. I'm I'm trying to remember, and and I don't. Did we talk about how you only are reading this book because I read it and I was freaked out and I wanted to like as a kid. Yes, and I wanted to know if it still freaked you out. Like, yes, as an adult. so, so far, we, can, we can return to that question in in a second. But I wanted yeah. to ask about um, the perspective it's told from. Like, is it all diary entries? Or no, are no, those no, no. Mixed in with other things, or what? Do you, it, how are how are you being told about all of these horrors? Uh, it is explicitly over Callie's shoulder. Um, every once in a while, you'll get a few paragraphs of italics that are diary entries, but most of it is like close third person. Callie is living her life, having thoughts of her own. We don't get in, we don't get windows in anybody else's head, um, and she's just trying to go about her business. Uh huh. Um, the book is about to get worse. It doesn't get better. So. Okay, sure. Yeah. So that worse is the word you were looking for. I'm glad you found it. So there's two or three more events that happen. Cubby disappears, and we Bye. never. We never see him again. Bye, Cubby. Um, James, the rest of the book, is concerned with trying to find their dog. Um, Callie has another couple of incidents where she uh, hears someone knocking on her door, can't find anyone. They wake up one morning and someone has painted 99 on their porch with red paint. And it's probably just the handyman making sure that it was marked clearly for the postman. No, it okay. was Cody trying to convince Callie that this place is haunted because I Cody see. knows that it's haunted. She knows that it's spooky. And uh, she ha- eventually cops to some of this being her. Yeah, I really feel like you're undermining your own case here. Yeah. <laughs> Did she also stab her dad? No, <laughs> no. She her dad got stabbed and a window tried to take her hands and she's like, All right, now I have to prank my sister to convince her that it's haunted. Okay, so all right, so we've invented the haunted property brothers. Yes. What about haunted punked? Which oh, is just yes. punked, but 
they're trying to make you think that a ghost did all of that. That would be pretty dope, actually. Mm-hmm. I would watch a show where you tried to convince people that stuff was haunted, mostly because the long-lasting damage of that could be amazing. Like, if you actually... Like, <laughs> psychological damage. <laughs> like, wow. If... if if you have successfully, even for five minutes, convinced someone that there are ghosts, like they can't undo. That'd be hard to undo. You know, I yeah. I mean, I the version of the show you're pitching, just like they are never told that they're on a show. Oh sh- well, sure. I How, still like, think though. I still you... think though, if Ashton Kutcher did a really good job of making you think that you're like microwave was haunted or something mm-hmm. and you really thought that it was haunted for like 10 straight minutes uh-huh. even if he came out and was like yo i punked you uh you or might did i or did i and then he just leaves he disappears in a cloud of a, smoke with the rare double punked <laughs> the forever punked um, recursive punked loop oh gosh i'm trying to th- i can't come up with any good spooky punk puns mm-hmm let me know if you get any. Okay, I'll, I'll let you know. Okay, so that's two TV shows we've invented. Great, okay. Um, so they do invite Anthony over for lunch, even though he's like, yo, your house is haunted and I don't really want to go there. And uh, the parents are away shopping or something, I guess, for new shirts because he got stabbed. And, I guess. Uh, Cody got Blood all over your good shirt. Cody is at one point is mad at Callie. She says, you're not interested in his story. You're just interested in his bod, which sets this book squarely in the 90s. Yeah. Uh, And Anthony tells them the story about the house that was told to him by a town historian about the house being built on the foundation. The fear family uh, had killed a bunch of people and buried them in the ground. And then this house was built on top of them. And 30 years ago, when the builder... Uh, the guy who commissioned the house to, that he wanted to live in or whatever, um, he wanted to show his family the house uh-huh. and he wanted to show them the upstairs specifically. So he said, sit down in the living room and then I'm going to go make sure that the upstairs is ready. When I come back down, we'll go look at it. He goes mm-hmm. upstairs, he comes down and his family is sitting on the floor, but their heads are missing. Oh no, where did the, where did the heads go? <laughs> no clue. And uh, no one ever heard from that guy again. Uh, and right in the middle of the story, James is like, I, I hear my missing dog. I hear him. And they can't find the dog. And after 20 minutes of looking for the dog, Anthony is like, hey, I need to go mow some lawns to make some money. I got to leave. And Callie's like, you want to go see a movie later? Okay, never mind my freaking out brother. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's, let's have a date. And she's just interested in his bod. Yeah. And the two girls resolve not to tell this to their dad because he's still, like, recovering from his knife wound uh-huh. and scared of the house he bought his family. Uh, and I made a note here. Now the book starts to suck. So, and when I mean that it sucks, like, now it actually gets kind of spooky and, and creeped me out. Uh, Callie wakes up one night. She can't sleep. She goes to the bathroom to, like, wash her face and, like, ghost vomit starts coming out of the sink. Uh-huh. Like, as as R.L. Stein describes it, chunky green liquid, as sour-smelling as vomit, poured out of the faucet, plopping into the sink. It ran down Callie's cheeks, dripped onto her neck, and then onto the front of her nightshirt. And, and she starts screaming, and Cody wakes up, and the dad wakes up, and they're, like, double dare sliding around in the bathroom. <laughs> 
like trying to deal with get the this flag. ghost Reach, vomit. It's in the, it's in the mouth. <laughs> Reach the up flag. in the mouth. And James wakes up and he's hearing the dog barking, but no one else can hear it. And they can't turn the sink off. And Mrs. Frazier wakes up and she is covered in blood. Whose blood? The blood's coming from the ceiling. And dad's like, well, I got to go upstairs and see where the blood's coming from. <laughs> <laughs> and at this point, the chapters are like maybe like six or seven pages long. They're coming fast and furious. It's very effective, uh-huh. Mr. Stein. And he walks downstairs from the attic and he's just muttering to himself, heads, heads, heads. And there's a, there, the heads of a woman and two children were up in the attic bleeding through the floor onto his wife. And they call the cops and the cops can't find the heads, Andrew. They clean everything up and they can't find the heads. Of course they can't. And guess what? They what? keep living in this house. <laughs> For how long now? Like, did they? What do they do the next day? Do they just like, well, time to go to my job? Well, Mr. Frazier's like, hey, I gotta find this real, real estate man who sold me this evil house. <laughs> I gotta track him down. And he and goes. They can't. They can't do that from like a Motel Six. Probably no. the Motel Six on Fear, Fear Street's haunted too. Oh, it's probably terrible. Oh gosh. The Hotel Six. The Hotel Six Six Six. Ooh, yeah, that's Ooh. good too. Uh, he looks at the business card. There's no phone number on it. And he's like, well, that's a weird thing that I just noticed. Uh, it does have an address on Fear Street. They go to find it. It's an empty lot. No, fi- no find in Mr. Lorry. So finally, Callie's like, hey, Anthony told me about why our house is evil and how he learned it from a town historian. Let's go meet that guy. So they go to the library. They find Mr. Stuvesant, who like digs through his records looking for Mr. Lorry. And who do you think Mr. Laurie is, Andrew? Do you remember? Um, is he like a member of the Fear family or is he, I don't know. He's he... the guy who built the house, who found his family without heads. Oh, no. 30 years ago, and after he found his headless family, he hanged himself. So Mr. Laurie isn't real. He's some sort of ghost real estate agent. <laughs> ghost realtor. Ghost realtor. Um, That's... A horror trope that I like, <laughs> yeah, honestly, sure, is when you go to consult the town historian to find out <laughs> what's wrong with the whole situation. Also, if a new family came to town and burst into my stuffy little office and said, some guy sold us a haunted house, I need you to look him up, and I looked him up and he was a guy who died 30 years ago, I think I would leave town. I don't I think I would leave stay town there. Or I would assume that I was on Ghost Punked. Oh, well, if this is a real show that we all know exists, I might, uh-huh. yes, assume that I was on Ghost Punked. That's true. Um, so we cut to a diary entry from Callie. She says, we're all so frightened now. We want to move away from here to leave this house as fast as possible. But dad says we don't have the money to go. So I made a note here. There's no economic mobility in Shadyside. They need a universal basic income so that people don't have to stay in their ghost houses. <laughs> we need a welfare state for the haunted. He's getting on political. Uh-huh. Boonie Sanders over here. Boonie Sanders. <laughs> and mom and dad signed James up for a day camp? Again, I made a note. With what money? But he doesn't want to go because he keeps hearing his dog in the walls. Yeah, and how do they have money for a day camp and to pay their daughter and 
to pay a repairman who's never around and a housekeeper. <laughs> it's but a they mess. Can't they can't leave? They can't leave. So <sighs> they they press on. The girls press on. Uh, the parents go out of town for like a day or two to go visit like a cousin. I think they take James with them. They don't take the girls, which seems nuts, because uh-huh. um, there were heads in the attic. But uh, so the girls invite Anthony over for a date. Callie's like, "Why don't you come over? I'll Why don't make- you come over to the house that you told us was haunted, and we'll like get it on." Callie invites him over, and he's like, "Oh, Cody's here too. We'll what a cool some, date! We'll do some over the pants stuff. What a cool in my haunted house. What a cool twins date, Andrew. Why don't you come yeah. over to my house? My sister's here. We'll all have dinner together. Ooh, in, in my haunted house. In my haunted ghost house. And he turns out to be a great guy. There's like a note where Callie's like, "This is the most fun I had since we moved into this haunted house." <laughs> <laughs> they have a lovely dinner." Anthony is a cool guy. He's brought up right. He volunteers to go do the dishes. And Callie and Cody are talking to each other about how nice he is. And they hear screaming. Oh, boy. What and now? And they rush to the kitchen. And Anthony's hand has been ghost pulled into the garbage disposal. And he just starts that screaming, sucks. my fingers, my fingers, my fingers, my fingers. Which they save and rush him to the hospital. Where he gets them sewed back on, he'll never use them again. I don't know. And his Are parents they just aesthetic fingers now. Yep. Like... Uh huh. And his parents basically ice Callie out of that relationship, which I understand. I bet they do. Yeah. Uh, it's and... not you. It's your house. <laughs> it's not you. <laughs> it's not you. It's your obviously haunted house. <laughs> and I warned you. Out yeah. multiple times that okay so there all right so this isn't a tv show idea but is another good idea okay is next time you have to break up with somebody just say it's because your their apartment is haunted and you don't like hanging out over there it's not you i just can't be around the spectral <laughs> horror that i see whenever we're together <laughs> uh so that relationship's ruined and mom and dad come home with james and the story is that Mr. Fraser's cousin can't lend them the money, I guess, to leave their ghost house. Can't take them in either, which would have also been acceptable in my book. Um, and dad has basically lost it. He starts yeah, mumbling. Like the, the real horror here is their economic situation, <laughs> I, I, I really think. Is, think their, so. is their money management. They move into this like money horror pit and they have no means of escape. Like... At this point, I would just go live in a park. Like, I would just take my family. I'd fashion a tent out of blankets. A lean-to under the shanty. You got to figure that Shadyside has some sort of shanty town for people who have been haunted on Fear Street. Yeah, people who have have been evicted from their haunted houses by ghosts. By ghost landlords, um, Mm -hmm. which you can't bring to court. They won't show up. Can you Um, get... I guess if there are ghost realtors, there must be ghost landlords. Like, it follows, right? Yeah, it fo- it tracks. The realtors need to have a relationship with somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and w- I think Mr. Hanker is a ghost contractor, so it all works out. It's a very thriving economy <laughs> if you're a ghost. If you're a ghost. Um, so, Dad sends them all to bed, which doesn't make any sense because he's, he's losing his mind. Uh-huh. And James is like, oh, I'm so scared. 
uh, Callie, can you read me a kid's book? Can you read me this book that I liked when I was like four? And she's like, that's a little weird, but okay. And here's a great chapter end. Uh, she reads him and he goes to sleep. Uh, she had no way of knowing that she would never see her brother again. Thanks, jovial Bob Stein. Oh no! What? Ha- okay, now it happens. I'm we get a full. Seat over here. We get a full Stranger Things. James has disappeared. They can hear him out loud, but they don't know where he is. They think he's in the walls. Um, to the point where they start like digging at the walls, and they can't find anything. Um, mostly Cody and Callie are just screaming. Uh, Mr. Frazier is like taking an axe to the wall, trying to find his son. Uh, Mrs. Frazier gets pushed down the stairs by a ghost, I think. Her, like, bone comes out of her arm. Oh, man. And, yeah, I remember this now. And Dad starts here. While while the daughters are like, Dad, Mom's arm is messed up. He's like, I hear him in the ceiling. And he starts digging at the ceiling. And, it, and then this happens, Andrew. Okay. It was a shadow hand, a transparent hand, gray and billowy as if made of smoke with wriggling long fingers like snakes. Callie gasped as the hand swirled around her father's face, covering him, covering his face in darkness. Reaching down from the ceiling, the hand darkened around him until Mr. Frazier appeared to have no head at all. And he's like screaming that he can't see. And it's a uh, it's a mess. It like made him sort of blind for a few days. They Does w- he get it. He gets it back. Yeah, he didn't lose his head. They take him to the hospital, mm-hmm. and the mom has surgery on her arm. I made a note: hospital bills. <laughs> <laughs> if we're gonna make a big deal out of how they can't move because they don't have money, like yeah, like are they on Cobra from a previous <laughs> employer? Might, or he might have been. Yes, he That's... might have got like a severance package from a from a previous employer. I think that's just what it what it's like to read one of these books when you're 30 is you're yeah. just like how's the how's the financial end of all this stuff work? Yeah, cuz if you're especially if you're like James's age and I think the ideal reader of this book is in between James at 9 and the two young women at like 16 and or 17. I believe that was around where I was. Yeah. So you're you're a tween, you're a teen, you're not really talking to your parents about mortgage payments yet. You just know, oh, well, we have to move, I guess. I guess we're moving to a haunted house. That, mm-hmm. I didn't think that was going to happen. Um, so there's one last knock on the door sequence that happens. Now, remember, Andrew, before this was Cody, like trying to spook Callie into believing that the house is haunted. Everyone right. knows that the house is haunted now. They're still in the house. <laughs> and Callie hears a knock on her door. She sees someone in the hallway. She thinks it's Cody, so she follows her. It's not Cody. Who is it? The ghost turns around, and it's Callie. Oh, no. She's staring at herself, and the ghost points at her and says, Go. Go read your diary. And she's like, What? And she goes back to her diary, and she opens it, and the only thing on the page, it says, I died tonight. Whoa. And then all of a sudden, the floor turns to bubbling tar and eats her, like pulls her down into nothingness. Cody sees it happen. And as soon as she's fully consumed by the tar, she's like an evil, angry ghost that's like part of the house. All of the anger and evil of the ghost is like part of her. 
And then you get a couple more pages from her perspective where she sees them return from the funeral and she's mad that they're alive and she's not. And I just want to know, how do they pay for the funeral? Was it a funeral for Callie? Did they have one for James who got disappeared into a wall? What the heck? Yeah, there's no way you have money for a funeral but not to leave your ghost house. Just go! Just go! And they do go. Cody sees her up in the window and goes, oh, I see my sister. And they're like, no, that's yeah, not Yeah, I mean, true. Now, now you got two less mouths to defeat. I guess you got the money <laughs> to get out of the ghost house. You, well, what if his cousin was like, okay, I hear your house is haunted, but we could only take one of your daughters. And Mr. Mm-hmm. Fraser was like, well, you know, screw that. I'm going to go back to my ghost house. And now that he lost two kids, well, I'm going to take you up on your offer. The problem resolved itself. And she sees them leave. She like does a big ghost yell at them, and then a there's ghost like, yell. I don't. Uh, it's the end of the book. She's like wailing. It's a ghost, okay. It's sure. A, yes. She let oh she let out a long furious wail that shook the walls and rattled the windows. It was a wail of fury, of hatred, of evil that she hoped would follow her family wherever they went. She's really just mad that they bought this house, and she's within her rights to be. I think. And then there's they had a, so many warnings. Yeah, that's true. And then there's a there's a short little epilogue where she's a part of the haunted house. She sees Mr. Laurie outside welcoming a new family to the house. And the father's like, look around, Brant. This is our new start. A wonderful new beginning. It's a good house, Brant. <laughs> good house, Brant. And Callie says, don't be so sure about that. Don't be so sure. To be continued. To be continued. Lordy, lordy. Look who's 40. This book. Yo, this book, the second half of this book <laughs> made me very uncomfortable. What We start with the ghost vomit, and I got a little sick to my stomach like reading that passage. It's really awful. Yeah, that it really it starts popping off and it doesn't stop. <laughs> it doesn't really doesn't stop. And then it's like, Oh, well let's give you a breather. We'll have a nice spaghetti dinner with the boyfriend. And then the sink eats him. Mm. Man. All right. It's okay. Pretty rough. No, going for the hat trick. Another TV show idea. Okay. Hit me. Hear me out. A version of ER or Grey's Anatomy or house, which, uh, where all the patients just are suffering from like ghost related injuries. Oh, sure. Oh, man. Oh, you just call it haunted house. <laughs> I think it's lupus. No, it's a 30 year old ghost. It's a ghost. Your cells are haunted. That's why they it's, won't regenerate. It's, and there's this one doctor who, and everybody's always trying to diagnose them. And this one doctor's like, yeah, it's just a ghost again. It's a ghost <laughs> again this time, too. I think it, like, it got really weird in season three when they actually let a ghost join their staff. It was really weird. Yeah, it was. A, he was trying to, to, to uh, right his wrongs and escape from this mortal coil. But he, long last. but he didn't have a degree like he just like had proclaimed he was a doctor because he'd been around long enough as a ghost sure they won't let you into medical school as a ghost that's part of mm-hmm. the problem um what this, about okay. no i think that probably this exists already like uh you know those crime shows where there's like the police and then there's some 
person in an unrelated field who can help the police out somehow, <laughs> yeah, sure. like Castle or whatever. It, yeah, there's there uh, the partner is a ghost. Yeah, that has to exist, right? I think that's it. That's got to exist. What's I mean, I Zombie is slightly different. No, that's that's, still... that's zombies. <laughs> That's zombies, but it's still like a supernatural person, like using. It's, supernatural yeah, it's a powers. it's a supernatural procedural crime show. I guess is what I'm asking for. So like yes. that, but with ghosts. Yeah, lay down the law of the dead. What would it be called? Uh Ghost Patrol. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> boo Bloods. The Thin Boo Line. No. <laughs> okay. This book's spooky. It is kind of spooky. I remember being very spooked by it. I was just like amazed at how graphic it was. Like, R.L. Stein cut off that kid's fingers and covered them in ghost vomit and like broke their the mom's arm. Like it pulls no punches. They're right. getting punched by ghosts all the time. Yeah, so the second book in the series. I don't remember. It's another family, but she's still there, like haunting the house. That makes and I sense. I think you're still getting stuff from her perspective, I think. Oh, really? Um, okay. Well, I'm trying to remember. I don't remember now. I know the third book is the one I remember being more interesting because, it, like, the sister who lived comes back, Ooh. like, as an adult. Ooh. And they're, like, shooting a movie about the stuff that happened in the house. No. And they've decided they're going to shoot on location. No. <laughs> for some reason. And she's going to be playing herself. Why would you do that? Yeah. I That's don't know. That's awful. But then at the, at the end, I think, they just totally blow up the house and her ghost can finally be at rest. That's the only like way that. to do it. Oh, yeah. gosh. Why would you star in your own haunting movie? I do not know. Uh, you, your brother just disappeared. Oh, gosh, this book. I, I, I she, was, she was looking for closure too, because like half her family got eaten by a ghost house. Yeah, but, sure. Closure is a myth sometimes when you're dealing with ghosts. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I was. I started reading this book at night, and I had to stop. I did have to stop. It was a little too much. Yeah, it's pretty spooky. I just don't. Because then I'm just in my house, and who knows what spooky stuff's in my house. I think it's... it's intri- I don't remember how much Goosebumps does this. I think the parents in Goosebumps books are often like pretty oblivious to whatever... If they're even on screen. like they're, yeah. A lot of them are just like Peanuts characters. Like They're just... There's no parents in sight. But if you're doing like YA or children's horror, I think showing parents being helpless is actually like pretty effective because... You know, from the reader's perspective, they still think of their parents as just like people who got it figured out. Yeah, for sure. And if they're ghosts and you can't figure them out, whoa, that's the scariest thing of all. It is pretty. The 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 parts where Mister Fraser's kind of losing his marbles are that's when the book is really in high gear, and that is very unsettling. Um, though I always I was obviously reading that with a little bit of like, you brought your family here, dude. Like I don't. Yeah, this is kind of on you. <laughs> this is my really dog on you. <laughs> yeah, I'm very upset that you get to leave this, and one of your daughters does not. I don't really and care your, about your and son. also your son. Oh, you don't care about the son and he, his dog. I. He's just they. Maybe if he had a chapter where he wasn't whining about his lost dog, I could like be more invested in James. I honestly do not recall the younger brother being. <laughs> 
much of a presence in the second two books. I could be wrong, but like he did die. Like, why isn't he filled with yeah, malevolent why he... murder rage and like part of the house now? Yeah, a little fuzzy rules here, 99 Fear Street. Yeah, Laura, on, you got to check together. your little books. Get us together, jovial Whew. Bob Stein. Well, I'm glad we got this one out of the way because it spooked me good. Um, we got a couple more coming after this point, month. Though. Like, that's the point of Spooktober. I, I know, I know. Get them Just, spooks. Shake oh, them gosh, out. Gosh. Um, if you, the listener, have read uh, a Fear Street book or you love Bob Stein, um, leave us some notes about that. Um, or about haunted houses, you can use our email overduepod at gmail.com or our Twitter or Facebook at overduepod. Uh, we got a lot of folks who had left questions for our Q&A episode. Thanks for that, everybody. Uh, other folks reaching out to us this week include Lawrence, It's Nicolepsy, Jasmine, Samantha, Sarah, Lola, Adam, Glenn, Charlotte, Steam Cavalier, Morgan, Mary-Kate, Nick, Melissa, Olivia, Katie, Amanda, Whitney, Tessa, Bree, Mr. J, Starfish Chick, Valerie, Ricky, Rachel, Pam, Rebecca, and Caleb. Thanks, y'all, uh, for spreading the word and, and hitting us up throughout the week. Keeps us engaged in the show, and we love it. Um, Andrew, if folks want to know more about the show or maybe Spooktober, where should they go? They should go to OverduePodcast.com where we have links to iTunes and RSS and links to our Patreon project and to all kinds of other stuff about the show. Um, we will also have the full list of Spooktober books. We posted it on Twitter and Facebook uh, earlier last week. But um, yeah, but Craig, do you have the full list to hand so we can just read off what we're doing? Yeah, so this week we did 99 Fear Street. You just listened to it. Yeah, and then next job. week we're going to be doing... Uh, two R, not R. L. Stein, two Edgar Allan Poe stories. We're going to be doing The Cask of Amontillado and Murders at Rue Morgue. And then after that, we will be talking about House of Leaves by Mark Danielewski. Sounds like a lot of folks are familiar with that one. I am very worried about reading it. Uh, it's a very intimidating book. Is it going to spook you? Is that what you're worried about? Or? That and it's like, a, it's it's got some meta aspects to it that i hope oh, i'm good. able to convey on the show oh good um that uh then we're going to be talking about bag of bones which we're recording uh with our friends over at the unspoiled podcast so that'll be a fun crossover episode uh that's by stephen king bag of bones is the man himself the man himself and then andrew is going to close out the month with interview with the vampire by ann rice I'm um, excited to dip back into Anne Rice, and that's like a famous movie, but I've never, I've never read it, so and I've never talked about, not really talked about the book with anyone. So I'm excited sure. to see what you think. Yeah, me too. Um, so yeah, next week we're doing Edgar Allan Poe, like I said, and I think that's it, Andrew. Yeah, come back, get spooked. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for joining us for another Spooktober. People, I, I really like seeing people get excited about it because it makes me excited about it too. Um, so, so settle in for a spooky month. We'll be back next Monday. And until then, try to be haunted. <laughs> try to be happy. That was a headgum podcast.